You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is uh, uh, our, our weekly Tish, but uh, done differently today, we're... Uh, uh, instead of uh, my agenda, I'm going to make it your agenda. Questions and answers. Any uh, any questions, Passover related or prayer related or anything related, um, the floor is yours. So the first question. So uh, my, my son was invited uh, for Pesach to a Sephardic family, uh, for Shabbos to a Sephardic family, where the um, uh, customs are different in terms of what one can and cannot eat for Pesach. What is the uh, uh, proper uh, courtesy or proper... Um, um, way of uh, Ashkenazim eating mm-hmm. in a Sephardic family during Pesach. Great question. Uh, okay, so the the first thing to establish is uh, that that uh, um, uh, a lot of the uh, um, uh, rules and stringencies um, uh, that Ashkenazim follow on Passover um, are not uh, um, are not. Uh, biblically or even rabbinically mandated. They're much later um, uh, additions, uh, medieval um, uh, uh, for the most part. Um, and it has to do with uh, with the kinds of foods that, uh, um, that Ashkenazim um, in medieval Europe used to eat and the way they were stored, etc. Um, so what that means is that uh, uh, many, many of the things that, uh, that make Passover so hard for Ashkenazim um, don't exist in the Sephardic world. Um, um, uh, you know the the, the, the pro- because everything has corn syrup in it, right? So like the prohibition on corn is one of the hardest uh, elements of being uh, kosher Passover as an Ashkenazic Jew in, in America, and that doesn't exist for Sephardim. So the so the first thing I want to say is that um, that uh, that this is really an area where it's a difference of. Of, of custom and not a difference of uh, interpretation of, say, biblical law, um, which means that the rules are much more flexible. And it means that um, if I were to go to someone's home who didn't keep kosher for Passover at all on Passover, um, I would be very careful, you know, to, to, like, not to eat on their plates, not to use their utensils, etc., because the, pro- the uh, prohibitions of chametz on Passover are, uh, are very stringent. You can't have even a, a, a minute amount. Um, but when it comes to kidney oat, legumes and corn and things like, and rice and things like that, which Ashkenazim don't eat on Passover, the, the laws of minute amount consumption, right, that, uh, that even a drop you can't eat, right, they don't apply to kidney oat. Right, kidney oat uh, are are, uh, are are nullified in a in, in a smaller amount. So that means that I can go to an, a Sephardi uh, a, a Sephardic Jew's house on uh, on on Passover um, and eat. If I'm very serious about the Ashkenazi practice, um, I I can eat anything um, that you know that was uh, that served on any of their plates and utensils and uh, cooked in in their ovens and and whatever. Um, so long as it doesn't actually have <clears throat> um, kidney oat ingredients in it, right? So long as it doesn't have <clears throat> rice or corn or beans or, or, or those sort of things in it. Um, so what I would do, if it's possible, <clears throat> if I was very stringent, which I am personally about, uh, about the Ashkenazi practice, I would try to call over <clears throat> to the, to the household beforehand and say, listen, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm Ashkenazi and I'm, and I'm, I'm very, I take the practices very seriously. Um, could you could you make sure that there's at least one dish 
that doesn't have rice, beans, corn, whatever in it. Um, that way, I can make sure that there's something that I'm that that I'm comfortable eating, um, because you can eat anything so long as it doesn't have the actual food in it. Um, even even derivatives are are uh, um, are uh, of those ingredients um, uh, um, are okay, especially if it's in in small amounts. Um, the other possibility, uh, which is what uh, Eddie just suggested, is uh, you take a sort of when in Rome uh, attitude, right? And you, you adopt the custom of the place that you're going to. Um, that's something that uh, depends on the comfort level of the individual. Um, I can tell you that, um, that in Israel, um, because of the prevalence of Sephardi Judaism in Israel, um, it is very hard to uh, eat with the Ashkenazi custom in Israel. So lots and lots of American Ashkenazi Jews, when they go to Israel, drop the Ashkenazi custom. Um, so, so I think that, uh, that if, if the person is comfortable doing it, a win in Rome attitude is okay, right? That, uh, um, that you're not breaking any uh, Passover laws. You're only, uh, you're only sort of, not only, I don't want to uh, uh, belittle it, but you're um, only... Uh, um, uh, uh, going against the tradition of your of of uh, of, of your ancestors, um, which you know you can carry on the next night. Uh, so uh, those are the the two different. If it were me, I would call ahead and say, "Could you make sure there's one or two dishes that uh, that just don't have any of the actual stuff in it?" Um, and then I would avoid the plate of rice and the plate, whatever it is on on the table. Yeah. I thought you were going to answer his question with a question. The first thing I would think of is, is there a daughter involved? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Ah, okay, all right. So that is, right. So, so then what do you do? Mixed marriage. Yeah, that changes. Yeah, what do you do with a mixed marriage? Ah, so, okay, so, the, so, ah, so his wife is farty. No, no, daughter is daughter is fine. I I see. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. Oh, that's a complicated family dynamic. Um, so, um, uh, tell me one that's not. Yeah, right. I know. Um, this is a good question. <laughs> Very sensitive. Uh, yeah. Um, I would. I think my answer would say the same. Depends how much in love he is. Let me ask a related question. Yeah. Yesterday's forward had an article where the OU announced that they're not going to hecture for Passover quinoa, at least for Ashkenazi, they will for Sephardi. Uh, the star K down in Baltimore laughed at them and said they're crazy. Now, without getting into the intricacies, it becomes, the I guess, more the rule of strictness, if that's the right way to phrase yeah. it. The same thing with the aluminum foil spread all over the place, the same, as you mentioned earlier. <clears throat> The article was in the forward. Yeah, so I didn't read the article. I, I did catch, like, uh, someone... I saw someone posted it on Facebook, but I didn't read it. I have to be careful, because it's going to be in cyberspace about uh, about um, how, you know, how iconoclastic I want to be. <laughs> um, um, there is a... Uh, there's sort of a, um, a, a kosher industrial complex uh, in America right now, um, which is... Uh, that um, that that given the um, the, uh, the 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 sort of uh, um, we don't eat local food anymore. We eat national food, right? Nationally produced food. We don't know, you know, where where it's produced and whatever. And so, therefore, you know, even if we do trust the supervision of our own rabbi, um, the, our own rabbi can't necessarily supervise all the food we consume. So we've come increasingly over the past fifty years to rely on 
on hectares, right? You know, proxy rabbis that uh, um, that 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 certify our food for us. Um, what we what we've lost by doing that, um, what what you see is is the symbol, and so you come you come to trust a symbol, and you assume that uh, that that the that the symbol is on anything that's kosher, and uh, and anything that doesn't have the symbol is not kosher. Um, but that's actually not true. It just it you know sometimes that reflects um, what doesn't have the symbol. Um, sometimes there there are lots of reasons why a, why an, a, an item of food wouldn't have kosher certification besides the fact that it's that it's not kosher. You know, I can I can think of a, a number of things off the top of my head that uh, that I'm very comfortable eating without a without a hexer. Even on Passover, very comfortable eating without a hexer. Um, fresh squeezed orange juice, for example, right? Um, very comfortable eating without a pe- without without a hexer, drinking without a hexer, right? Um, uh, because uh, um, because I, I know that that kind of food item doesn't require anybody's cert- certification. But the, no one is uh, no one's mixing a vat of pork with your fresh squeezed orange juice. I can almost guarantee it, uh, right? So, um, so this is one of the challenges of uh, of the. It, 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 it's come to solve a problem, and it's helpful in some ways. But it also means that we've come to rely on symbols rather than people, uh, and uh, and and come to not rely on uh, on anything that doesn't have the symbol. And we've lost the um, the sense that behind every certification, there's a person. With a particular point of view and a particular opinion about something, um, so that's one side of it. And the other side is, um, given that landscape, um, there's a vested interest in some certification agencies in um, advocating um, uh, stringencies. It, it helps them control market share, right? Um, because if they're very trustworthy and they um, change the rule, you know, change the change the rules of the game midway through. Then it means that that uh, all other companies have to comply with uh, with 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 their rules. Right? They're, they're gonna. Um, it's a it's a it's. I hate to put it this way, but it's a great business tactic. It's a great business tactic to say that quinoa is no longer kosher for Passover for Ashkenazim. Um, now, I imagine that they have a um, what I would consider a a, a legitimate um, halachic argument. To back it up, in addition to whatever the business argument might be on the side, um, but that doesn't mean that it's the only valid halachic argument. Um, I I would have to imagine <clears throat> that it has to do with uh, with a concern about um, the the harvesting and, and storage of, of uh, quinoa or something like that. I didn't read the article, um, and part of it, and the possibility that there um, that it has that that it's come into contact with some other kind of or grains, even, even just blowing across a field right. to grow right. next to it. So okay, so what 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 you really need to know about that is that um, mixtures of chametz before Passover are nullified in uh, um, in sixty parts, which means that if 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 uh, if if I can if I can have a reasonable presumption that uh, um, that Let's say a you know a, a batch of wheat flour you know uh, blew across the field into my quinoa field, right? Um, uh, if I have a reasonable presumption that the amount of quinoa exceeds the amount of wheat flour by sixty times the volume of the wheat flour, then the quinoa flour is then the quinoa is fine even on Passover, so long as that happened before Passover. Right. Um, if that happens on Passover, that's no longer acceptable. Right. So if I have my batch of quinoa and even a minute piece of 
flour falls into it, the whole thing is uh, is is not kosher for Passover, right? So there are different rules on Passover than before Passover. Um, so you know, an, an unopened bag of quinoa that uh, um, that that may or may not have uh, a, a minuscule amount of uh, of wheat flour in it before I I I don't see why um, um, why that that uh, that's not kosher for Passover. Uh, as I, in, I, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. As I understood it, it yeah. wasn't the flour. It was yeah. literally the grain blowing the, the, out. Whatever, of whatever grain. The grain too. I mean, that, that's the same. That would be the same same principle that would apply. Um, but uh, you know, the so. I'll give you another example. I was in a uh, <clears throat> a law committee meeting where they were just last year. They were discussing last year's conservative movement guidelines for Passover, and they were talking about they were talking about frozen vegetables um, purchased before Passover, whether those require a Passover hecture. And there were some people around the table who said yes. Uh, the person who was authoring the document said yes. Um, but the argument of some people, some of the people that I respect most as, as my kosher authorities, is namely, um, I'm going to name drop him, and if he's listening to this, uh, forgive me if I'm getting you wrong about this, uh, but uh, Rabbi Aaron Alexander, uh, who's uh, one of the deans of the rabbinical school at, uh, at Ziegler, um, uh, made a really valid point, right? So if you, if you have that bag of uh, uh, frozen vegetables, and you open it, and on Passover you realize that there's a, you know, hunk of bread, in that bag of frozen vegetables, um, then all you need to do is throw out that hunk of bread, right? And then eat the vegetables because, uh, uh, because it didn't, because, uh, it, um, it it didn't impact, it didn't affect the mixture of the vegetables and the thing. So, um, uh, so this is again, right? The conservative movement, I think in some ways falls prey to this too. Uh, in, in, In my opinion, it's, it's happened in our own community. Um, and it's led to, uh, the, um, the implosion of some of our kosher institutions, um, but uh, but it's this kosher industrial complex where um, where uh, um, you're like really sort of um, anxious about um, the, um, the the lack of transparency of production and um, the inability to to fully supervise um, everything that you see, uh, everything that you could get in the store. Um, so you uh, you rely on on the greatest degree of stringency to to play it safe. Um, but the truth is that, that that's, that's an okay tactic, except for it makes keeping kosher, um, I think, unnecessarily hard for a lot of people. Um, and there's a, um, you know, there are ways of keeping kosher that don't involve um, uh, adhering to the greatest degree of stringency. Yeah. I was just going to comment <clears throat> briefly. The other night we were doing our uh, Passover shopping over at um, um, ShopRite over at Cherry Hill, and they had lists I'd never seen before, MOU, hung on the wall, page after page after page, of products that do not require a hechsher, uh on um, Pesach. This one's coffee by brand name, by product. I'd never seen that before. It was very helpful. Yeah. Uh, it's been around for a long time. Ne- never saw it, but they had them hanging all over the store so you could review and see, and I wasn't aware that, they, that those lists out. The, the conservative movement, you can get this on the uh, Rabbinical Assembly website, rabbinicalassembly.org. Excuse me, rabbinicalassembly.org, and you click on um, on Jewish law, and then Kashrut, and you can find the Passover guide. And it also lists; it doesn't list by brand, but it lists by type of food item. Um, uh, um, you know, so you know, unflavored coffee, for example, right? Uh, um, it, is kosher Passover without a without a without a hexer? You know, fruits and vegetables, you know, things like that. Right? So um, uh, it's a it's it, it's a useful thing. Um, uh, 
Yeah. But you yeah. need the brand. When right. You're so shopping. Yeah. So you're buying laundry detergent. Yeah. Not well, laundry, it's, but dishwashing yeah. detergent. Um. Yeah. This was OU supervised products that didn't have a Pesach label that they were saying were okay. Yes, that yes. is correct. It didn't yeah. have a specific Pesach product. Um, it's honey. Yeah. So I. Um, I, I don't think that you, if you if you have a if you have a certain degree of, of of personal empowerment and knowledge, I don't think you need to know the brands. Right. So it is helpful if you if you, if you, if you don't. Right. So, but if you, um, if you, that's why study is important, right? Um, but if you you know have a have have a uh, have have a sense of like how the how the rules work. So like the that's a big one that I mentioned, right? So um um uh, um an accidental mixture of chametz. Um, that happens before Passover keeps the item still kosher for Passover on Passover. Does that make sense, right? So, uh, uh, an orange juice that uh, uh, that I bought before Passover and and kept unopened. If there were an accidental mixture of chametz in that orange juice, it would still be kosher for Passover, even if it doesn't have Passover. Passover certification. However, um, the same orange juice may not be kosher on Passover if I were to buy it on Passover because um, uh, because uh, that same accidental mixture, um, it doesn't matter whether or not it's accidental. All that matters is that there's a little bit of uh, chametz in it on Passover, right? So the so um, that's a that's a that's a big part of the laws and the reason why you know certain I- items are kosher for Passover without a Passover hexer and certain items uh, aren't. Um, Mm-hmm. Years ago, what uh, meat or chicken? Mother used to kosher it you know, six sides. Today, it's supposed to be koshered at the factory, wherever it is, so you don't have to do it at home. Yeah. Well, uh, you can. Yeah, I mean, you can go to a butcher um, uh, and get non-salted meat. I assume uh, still somewhere today, but it's uh, all salted. Is it? Yeah. I never, I never, I never tried because I never really wanted to. But <laughs> so the question is, if you get a chicken, let's say you get a frozen chicken, if it's salted, the idea is to get the blood out. Yeah. What happens to the inside of the chicken if you put the salt on the outside? Um, so this is uh, um, an an area of law um, that um, the the symbolic act is more important than the uh, than the actual process, right? So, um, what you're doing is is uh, is is removing sort of um, uh, um, visible blood or doing a visible act of removing blood. <clears throat> but you know, like you see, when you have a steak, right? When you get a when you get a raw steak, you, there's red stuff all around the steak, right? And uh, so. From a halachic point of view, that's not blood anymore. That's meat juice, right? Um, uh, so after you've salted it, even if there's a, that stuff left, right, it's not considered to be blood anymore. So the same thing with uh, with 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 the chicken, right? There's still there's still might be some blood left, right? Um, but uh, from a halachic point of view, it's just chicken juice. Yeah. I, mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you could have a very very large piece of meat that you salt on all sides, and yeah. it's considered salted, and right. something salted. Or you could have a smaller piece of meat that you use, but it's no more or less kosher, depending, regardless of the size of the, of the, of the piece of meat. So, by extension, any piece of chicken is going to bound to be, you know, it's not going to have blood. 
just happen to be thinking about this the other day. I was just wondering. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, my question is this. The uh, butcher in ShopRite, in Cherry Hill, <coughs> says this meat here is not kosher for Passover, and after such and such a date, this meat is kosher for Passover. Does it really make a difference? No, Giant has that too. <clears throat> Say that again. There, there's after a certain okay. date, this meat. It, okay, the meat. If, all right, the store is open and selling meat. Okay, but it says if you want to buy kosher Passover, we kosher on such and such a date. Okay. Raw meat. Raw meat. Uh, is it that, or they kosher their whole air butchering area? Their whole butchering area. Right. So that anything they slice after that date, they'll put a hexer for Passover. Right. Anything so before I, that date, I, they won't. I kind of. That was my, that's my understanding of what it right, is. You, but you're are you talking about you're not talking about like deli and stuff. You're talking about like 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 like, like beef. Beef, yeah, eggs, whatever. Yeah, I, listen, I um I, I'm not sure. I have to go and see what they're doing in chop, uh, at that shop. Right, my my inclination is that uh, um, raw meat like that um, shouldn't require special Passover certification. <laughs> Um, like, the, like the frozen vegetable. I I I think so, right? Because I'm I'm thinking of like what would happen on the deli, like like what happens in the process of getting that meat to the butcher, right? And so, um, like when it's salt, is it going to be salted with anything chametz? Probably not. Is it going to be soaked with anything chametz? Probably not. Um, if it were to touch the deli counter that may have had chametz on it, does it be does it uh, become chametz? Well. Um, Probably not because if there's any chametz residue on the deli counter. It's nullified in sixty times, but in the with the raw meat, and there's no heat involved. There's no cooking involved. What about the um, knives? Um, the, but the but the knives that they're using to butcher raw meat are likely not the knives that they're using to like make sandwiches, right? Um, and uh, and to to cut into uh, you know like the cooked deli and things like that. But you don't know. Um, I don't know, but I have a reasonable presumption. But um, they know. So and you guys so are saying we use these. Well, no, 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 no. What, what they what I they know. Them. Yeah. <laughs> what they what they know is that they have they have a kosher supervisory right. agency Correct. who so has a, who has a stringent set of standards. Right. I th- in my opinion, right? So so if you were to ask them, um, you know the whatever it's called, I don't know what they you call it. It's sort of like a buzz saw that they use to cut yes. to to cut meat. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, but I've only ever seen uh, a butcher use that on raw meat. Like I've never seen them like take a hunk of uh, of like uh, cook. Right. Turkey deli into that buzzsaw. They use the deli slicer, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, purchase deli that's been used on the deli slicer, possibly on uh, uh, to get kosher Passover stuff. But the but the all that other equipment. Um, so you're right. I don't know, but like having seen butcher shops operate before, I've never in my life seen anybody like carve a hunk of bread on the same slicer that they're using to like chop up a, a rib roast, right? So. Um, and they never use it for for cooked uh, meat items either. They wouldn't because um, because of bacterial issues and things like that, right? So um, I, I I don't know. I, I I don't have. I have to go and see. But my 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 hunch is that's you know sort of a, a, an unnecessary stringency, um, and it's and it's meant to um, uh, be helpful for people who don't know any better. Uh, but for people who do know better, um, you could buy whatever raw meat. My opinion about this is what I'm hearing from you is sort of a cynicism about the 
industrial complex. Yeah. Honestly. It's, it's easy to and be I cynical. That I think it's easy to be cynical when you hear stories that are in the news and they're publicized about abuses and corruption. But I think that as a community, we have to trust that our kashrut stands for the principles we believe in, that we're supporting these, you know, yeah. sources of our sustenance. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think for the most part the industry is nefarious, right? I don't think that, I mean, I, I was sort of, there, there is a cynical side of me that... Aaron, that, that Aaron's was pretty nefarious. Well, listen, yeah, there, there, there's definitely, in the industry, there are nefarious things that are happening, right? So, uh, but Aaron's wasn't a kosher supervisory agency, but... The people well, who no, were supervising the people who them, were right? I, I agree. That was that was at, at best negligent, um, uh, and also I think uh, um, a, a misguided view of what halacha demands, right? So they, they said, well, it doesn't matter how they treat the workers; it just matters whether they salt the meat the right way, right? Um, so, so I think that that does happen, and it's and it's easy to become cynical when you see that. I think that there, the listen, the the, the kosher industry is a business. And in some ways operates like a business. Um, in some ways, that's really good, and it's a and it's a good thing, and and we should continue to buy uh, hectored products and things like that. I'm not saying that, um, but I also, you know, when um, when uh, um, uh, when Eisenhower gave the military industrial complex speech, right? Um, he wasn't saying that there are like our, you know. Um, uh, nefarious forces that are like trying to get us to go to war. He just said that the that the you know the advancement of military technology um, uh, creates sort of a uh, um, uh, a, a, a an, an unendable cycle, right? Um, and it just sort of naturally happens. So that's what's happening in the kosher world today. It's not that people are setting out to say like like oh you know how can we screw the Jews, right? Uh, or how can we how can we you know uh, maximize uh, profits and get people to? Um, they're doing a little bit of that, but not like in a sinister I, I, I way. I thought it's almost the opposite. They've tried to convince the greater world that this is something. They've done that too. Excellent for them because it's got this hexer yeah. on it. You they've want done, to buy this product? It's, they've done it's they, holy. No, so they've done that too, and <laughs> uh, and very successfully. Um, and they've done that for the Jews too, right? They, that you want, you know, like uh, a, a food item isn't uh, isn't holy enough unless it has the OU. Um, so uh, there there is some of that, right? But um, um, but it does. You you're right. Uh, I'm not trying to um, I'm not trying to belittle this. I mean, it does provide a useful service. Um, you know, uh, for for a lot of food items out there, because of the way we consume, we purchase and consume food, um, we need hexer agencies. Um, uh, uh, so I'm not I'm not trying to say like don't you know boycott all hexer agencies. Um, I'm saying being an, being be an empowered kosher consumer, right? Um, you know, learn about cost root and know you know um, when something is. Uh, 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 has a hexure that actually requires a hexure, when something has a hexure that doesn't require a hexure, when something that doesn't have a hexure may not need a hexure and it's okay to eat, right? Um, that's, that's all I'm saying. So, you know, in, in, in the grocery store, um, I have a sense that they're, they're trying to be helpful to people, right? Um, there are some people who have a much more stringent uh, 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 standard when it comes to um, uh, Passover. I think an unnecessarily stringent standard, but they're trying to cater to a high common denominator, right? Um, uh, they're they're trying to make sure that that they can be acceptable by everybody. You're saying um, the authority or the individual? Potentially both, you know. So uh, the the supervisory agency and uh, and the store, right, or the purveyor. 
Um, you know, so so um, there there are reasons that they're doing it. And most of them are probably not, you know, um, not not cynical. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't mean that uh, that what they're saying is required to be kosher is true about what's required to be kosher, or not necessarily true, but uh, but universal, uh, universally accepted. Um, Let me ask you a less cynical question, and then I, and then I do have to run. Starbucks beans, coffee beans. Mm-hmm. Many of them are hectored year round. They just produce them. That there's always that OUP on them. Mm-hmm. Um, would you go into a Starbucks during Passover and just order the cup of coffee, nothing else? I, I saw this discussion and people arguing both ways on the internet. It, was, well, it struck me as strange because I would never think to go in the store unless I was buying a bag of coffee. Yeah, coffee beans. Even that, or people would say it's more a sign you shouldn't even be going in there. Well, well, that, but, uh, but but you're going into the Acme if you need something during OMO eight. Right. Um, so I, um, my, all right, so I, I have two different takes on this. Um, the first is from the Kashrut point of view. Um, uh, I think that if you're going there and you're getting plain coffee with nothing in it, right? So black coffee, um, uh, um, because I don't, I don't, I don't know about the sugar packets. I don't know about the, 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 the creamers, the, 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 the creamers, the whatever, um, uh, I mean, the, the milk is probably okay, uh, but uh, um, uh, but 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 what what I what I know is reliable is the fact that um, at Starbucks they have you know the 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 same pots and uh, that that brew the same coffee day in and day out, um, and you know plain unflavored coffee, which is what's going in those machines day in and day out, um, is uh, 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 should be kosher for Passover without a hexer. Um, and, uh, and so, um, you know, I think that, uh, um, that, that, that would be theoretically okay. I know that I did it once, um, and this is my second part of the answer, uh, I couldn't have felt weirder about doing it, right? So there's like a, there's like a Kishka, you know, issue about it. Uh, it was like, it was like when I, um, it was like peanuts, right? So, um, so it was determined by, Authorities in the in the Ashkenazi conservative world and the Orthodox world a, a number of years ago that uh, that, that peanuts um, are not kidney owned, um, so peanuts should be able to be consumed on Passover by Ashkenazi Jews. Um, but at the time, the only peanuts that were available had you know Sephardi hashgacha, whatever. So you go, so I went and I bought you know peanuts with a with a Sephardi hashgacha, and I opened the bag and. I couldn't bring myself to eat the peanuts, right? Um, because there's there's like a there's like a, a, a kishka feeling, you know. There's like a, a sense about it. So, um, so that's that's what I would say is like is like I think that you could go into a Starbucks and get uh, plain black coffee um, on Passover. Um, would I do it? Ninety nine percent no, unless I was really desperate, right? Um, what about the concern? Is there any concern? And I don't drink coffee at all, so it doesn't matter to me. The, like where where the pots are washed or the same, I mean the the decanters, whatever are the they washed. Yeah, but there aren't. I mean the um, flavor. Uh, I mean, I, I they, they usually they usually have um, uh, two pots of plain uh, of like uh, or like like two or three things of 
whatever they're called, big, big brew cots, vats, whatever. But they're washed at times. Okay. They, they, are they, are wa- washed. they 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 are washed, but um, uh, but the washing shouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it shouldn't matter. Or the wag, um, the or whatever. The soap, the um, sponge, the... I don't think they use but soap. I, but don't, use please soap. don't pick on my Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, should, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what the washing process is, but... Uh, um, uh, uh, it, it, none of that should none of that should matter. Um, uh, none of that should matter because um, because uh, um, uh, all of that should all of that should nullify chametz uh, on Passover. I'm not of the opinion that you need kosher for Passover soap, for example. Um, uh, so uh, that's a whole other conversation. Um, uh, but. Um, um, so I don't I, I I I don't think that the that that the um that the you know sinks and rags and the, I don't know exactly what the washing process is but I'm not overly concerned about that, it. That was the basis of the discussion. They were afraid of the washing process. Yeah, I'm not overly concerned about it um uh, because um I, I think unless you're in New York City and you don't drink the water because it might have might well you know listen uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Passover listen Passover has a degree of stringency that like that concern is crazy uh, but on Passover it's less crazy because um, uh, the 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 prohibition chametz is bechol shahu right any amount is uh, is is prohibited um, uh, but uh, there you know. Um, there are there are differences between um, uh, 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 that concern when it's like actual um, uh, um, edible chametz uh, and uh, and not edible chametz. Right. So once something is in the washing process, it's no longer edible chametz, um, uh, and it's all it would all be um, accidental, right? Uh, um, you know. So um, and the truth is that um, uh, um, you know f- for the most part. Uh, the the that's happening in the things that they're washing, right? The coffee related things that they're washing are all. Um, I would I, w- I would go out on a limb and say they are at at worst kidneyot or kidneyot derivatives, right? So like the flavorings that they use and things like that are probably all um, you know corn syrup based or you know or or like derivatives of corn or things like that, um, and, uh, and and kidneyot. Um, are as I mentioned in the answer to the first question, um, uh, are are uh, um, don't fall under the same category of stringency that chametz does, right? Even for Ashkenazi, um, so that means that there is an accidental mixture of uh, of like a flavoring in the washing process. Um, uh, uh, it's uh, um, it would it, it would it would be nullified by volume for sure. Um, and it wouldn't matter. Um, all of their, like, actual chametz stuff, <clears throat> um, they don't tend to use utensils for, right? Um, so they, they have, they have, like, a thing where they heat, like, their microwaves and stuff, where they uh, heat up. Um, but they have a, uh, something to pick it up with and put it in. And yeah, they have, they, they, they have... I'm not trying to get carried away. Yeah, they have, they have tongs up, but I, I don't know. I, I, I would... As long as you limit it to plain black coffee. You don't know. None of us know. And so... Yeah, so the question is, um, uh, how reasonable can your presumption be? Right? Um, You can't on Pesach. So I I disagree. 
I think that uh, I think that uh, on Pesach, as in the rest of the year, um, uh, it, uh, it it does not um, um, it does not pro- prohibit your ability of logical reasoning. Yeah, right? I, think, um, I think that's the point that you're saying. If yeah. you're knowledgeable and yeah. logical yeah. in the approach and understand, you can yeah. make the decision. But those who don't, like maybe myself, yeah. I want to rely on someone else yeah. more. Let me I, I, I understand. And listen, I'm not saying that you have to agree with me. You can say that that, that I'll never eat Knopf's house, uh, you know, now, and uh, and you know, and and there's no way I would go into Starbucks on Passover. That's fine. Uh, and and you want to be more stringent on on Passover year round, like Gagas and hate. Like that's that's a that's a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good thing. I, I'm just saying that uh, um, uh, that that uh, my approach. Um, is to remove as many unnecessary stringencies from the process of keeping kosher as possible, uh, because I want to make it as easy as possible for people to uh, to authentically keep kosher. Um, and I and I and, and so I and, and so I think that this is one of those. Things. But that leads yeah. me to my question, and maybe it's for another morning. You buy a kosher brisket, and you see. Well, nearby a non-kosher brisket at a fraction of the price. Harding's going to buy the kosher one. But there are those who just are inhibited because of the price in keeping kosher and buy the non-kosher brisket. Mm -hmm. Too expensive to keep kosher. Mm -hmm. It's not too expensive maybe to go to the beauty parlor. That's beside the point. But why? I guess my question is, really, why the multiple in price of the kosher beef over yeah. the non-kosher, and what can you do to make it a more realistically priced? Uh, maybe it's a yeah. question for another. Moment. No, no, no. It's, uh, if you guys have a minute, I can I can try to tackle it. Um, so, I mean, first of all, the, the difference in price um, is significant. I'm told. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, so the, there are there are good reasons and there are bad reasons for the difference in price. Okay, so the good reasons for the difference in price uh, are uh, the the process of of making kosher meat is much more labor intensive than the process of uh, of, of not kosher meat. Right? Um, there are diff- you know as, as as Abe mentioned before. Right? There are several additional steps in making sure that meat's kosher. Not to mention that uh, that if it's done properly, the process of slaughtering um, is uh, is more intentional. And therefore, labor intensive than uh, the process of non-kosher slaughter, which is usually done uh, now by uh, by like a um, uh, like a bolt gun. Um, so that's one reason. And so, the more labor intensive it is to produce a, a good, the more expensive it tends to be. Another reason is um, is uh, supply and demand, right? So um, uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, the 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 demand of co- the, it's a smaller market for kosher meat uh, than it is for meat in general. So the um, so you know producers, big industrial producers of of meat um, can make meat cheap because they'll recoup the price of cheap meat in the volume of people who are buying it. Um, can't really do that as much with the kosher market because there are less people buying it, right? So you can't diffuse the price as much. So that's one reason as well. Um, and so those are the good reasons, I think, legitimate reasons. And then the bad reasons are it's a captive market, right? So you can charge whatever you want because there are lots of people who will only buy that product 
um, and are willing to pay whatever it takes to be able to get that product because they won't be able to eat anything else, right? So that, I think, and I don't want to besmirch the, the, the industry, but that does happen. In the, there is price gouging um, in, in the industry, unfortunately, and it, and, uh, and, and it does happen, which is another reason why um, I, I, I feel very passionate about the sort of uh, um vision that I've been putting forward this morning um, because the best way to keep producers honest um, and, uh, and, and, the, and the best way to be able to affordably keep kosher um, is to be an empowered kosher consumer, right? So um, uh, you may not help you with meat, that's, that's, right? that's um, point, but it would help you with your other things on your shopping list, uh, for sure, right? And, um, uh, and it also, uh, um, you know, it also potentially um, uh, can, can help uh, if, the, if, the, if, if the combination of um, kosher producers and kosher supervisors um, realizes that what the consumers are actually doing is making um, dis- decisions about what they're eating that are more informed than does this have a symbol on it, um, uh, they will change what they're doing. They'll change their practices. They'll change uh, the nature of the industry. And I think um, it'll mean that, uh, that, that items are cheaper. Um, but this happened, you know... Th- it, it happens all the time, you know, so um, I just want to give one other story about Rabbi Dorf, and I can't remember who he, I think he told the story about, um, uh, um, I think it was a secondhand story, about an Orthodox rabbi in Milwaukee, um, in, uh, um, in... There weren't that many. There weren't that many. Yeah. Um, a couple, maybe. So, uh, um, uh, in, you know, but in, uh, uh, like, you know, early 20th century... One. Uh, what? Probably one. Probably one. Um, and I don't remember the name, but if I looked in his book, I'd be able to find the guy's name, I'm sure. Um, so, it was a story about a, a woman came to him with a chicken, uh, a dead chicken, right? And, and uh, wanted to know if it was kosher. Um, you know, she had slaughtered her herself, or someone had slaughtered, and she bought it, and she, but she wasn't sure if it was. So she bought it to the rabbi. And the rabbi, you know, sort of like... Had, took the chicken, you know, held it over, like, turned it over his hands, and as he's turning it over his hands, he's asking her all sorts of personal questions. Um, how's your husband doing? What line of work is he in? Um, how are your kids? Are they healthy? You know, all these things. And, um, and eventually, you know, he finishes asking her questions, he finishes turning over the chicken, he asks no questions about the chicken. He hands her back the chicken and says it's kosher. And one of his students goes to him afterwards and said, Rabbi, I, I don't understand what you did there. Right? Um, you, she handed you the chicken, wanted to know about the costume of the chicken, and, um, all you did was ask her personal questions about her livelihood and, and, and the health of her kids. You didn't ask her any questions about the chicken, you barely even looked at the chicken. And the rabbi said, uh, if you think that kashrut has only to do with the way a chicken is slaughtered and salted, you know nothing about Jewish law. Right? So, there is an element to which that, uh, that, uh, um, that, 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 um, that if a person can't afford food, right, um, uh, then certain things become more available to that person than would otherwise have uh, in, in in Jewish law. Now, you know, does that apply to somebody who's also you know spending you know hundreds of dollars at the beauty shop? I don't know, right? That's, but uh, yeah, that's why um, I threw that in. Uh, exactly. that, that's a that's a case by case. But here's a, yeah. a visual example yeah. of how supply has driven down price. Sure. Yeah. Look. 
what what you have today in choice versus what you had yeah. not that many years ago. Yeah. Limited. Although the, the, what, what Albie's pointing to is all the wine, um, and, I, and I would say that, uh, um, that we're still not yet there, right? There, I don't see why the, some of these wines need to be as expensive as they are. You know, if they were the, if they were the equivalent non-kosher wine, they'd be, they'd be half the price. Well, sure. Yeah, that I don't know. But, but we do have so much more choice. True, and it's a good thing. Thank God for Israel.